Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2015 Annual Missions Conference. This is the morning service of Sunday the 31st of May 2015, entitled, We Can Win. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. Here's missionary Corey Finch. Right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be here, Lord, at, at Bethel. Bethel Free Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, so much that we, we can sing uh, these songs, Lord. Uh, our God reigns. Thank you that we can uh, um, declare that you're the God of this city. Lord, uh, I know that there is a lot of sto- sobering statistics, uh, a lot of sobering reality. Uh, some of these things that are numbers might actually be faces to some people, uh, not just numbers. I-, I know there's a lot of things that could be disheartening, but Lord, I believe this morning... You want to remind me again, you want to remind these people, you want to speak to us and tell us that we can win, that there is hope, Lord. I pray that you just please, God, do that. Please uh, uh, speak through me, help me, Father, and do not get in your way. Uh, thank you. I don't understand why you, you like to use preachers, you like to use people to tell your word, you like to use humans. Um, I'm here. Uh, I'm not perfect, but please use me anyway, and uh, may your will be done. And thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Right. Uh, I want to talk to you about the topic, We Can Win. And uh, some of the themes of this message are, as you can see here, a national revival, uh, overcoming sin, and life in Jesus. Now, that's not the the main points, but how many of you are, are familiar with hashtagging? like on Instagram or Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you'll hashtag something like uh, a selfie, and it's usually because it's a selfie, right? Well, these are like hashtags. These are the things that I I hope that you'll think about and be uh, learning from today. National revival, overcoming sin, and life in Jesus Christ. And and my, my goal is much like I was praying. If you've felt defeated in some way in your life, Maybe it's defeated in regards to a sin that you feel like you just, you can't overcome. It's a stronghold of some kind. Um, maybe it's uh, uh, a family issue where you feel like uh, uh, these people are, are never going to become the uh, Christians, are never going to become the kind of family that I hope. You feel defeated. Or maybe it's, uh, it's much like the video that you saw. You feel a bit discouraged by the fact that there's not more people that are going to church. We're not in the, the state of revival that we used to be in. Like uh, Brother Curtis was telling me just yesterday that the history of this building, this building was a, a result of a revival once upon a time. And even the church that, uh, that I'm in, Woodhill, same. The Welsh revival in the 1900s. And so sometimes we can be a bit discouraged and think, uh, is all that we have is just defeat? Is all that we have is just, uh, uh, you know, uh, waiting till God comes back? Is that our only hope? Well, certainly we have hope in Christ's return. Don't, don't mis- dis- uh, misunderstand me on that. But I believe that we can have hope even in today. We can have victory even today. And so that's my goal, to, to speak to you about this victory. And I want to take you to this passage of Scripture here, and that's Romans chapter 7. If you turn in your Bible to Romans 7, and uh, I encourage you later this afternoon, if you have the chance, read uh, uh, the verses prior to this. Um, if you've ever read this before, this passage of Scripture can be quite a tongue twister. Uh, if this is one that you read out publicly in the church, it's guaranteed that you're going to have to read it twice because you always get messed up on some of the words. And, and what he says in this passage of Scripture is he says, the things that I want to do, basically, I don't do them, right? Like I want to do good things and I don't, right? 
Any of you, any of you young children ever had that where you wanted to do something that was right, but you're like, uh, I played Xbox anyway. I didn't take out the rubbish. <laughs> and, and he says, the bad things that I don't want to, I really didn't want to hit them, but I did. The bad things that I don't want to do, I end up doing anyway. And he says that he feels basically like a loser. He feels like uh, somebody that loses, defeated. And here in this verse, I hope you've been there by now, and it says, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, that, that's not something that you like to call yourself. He says, I'm a loser, basically. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And that is some strong words. We're gonna, I'm going to show you later exactly what he might have been meaning by that. But then he answers his own question because, you notice, he asks, who? And who do you think that who might be? Any young people here in the front row, who do you think who can help him out? Who's the answer? I see somebody mouthing it. Yes, young man right there. God, absolutely. Uh, God through, and then who's this one? Jesus, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, when I most recently have felt really defeated, right? Um, so the last church that I was at, I don't know if you, any of you are familiar, familiar with Clampervecken in North Wales. It's just close to Bangor. It's not too far from uh, Anglesey. And there is a church there called Libanus. If you haven't heard of it, it's all right. It's a very, very friendly town. But I'm going to make it sound like it uh, was a uh, um, police city because uh, that's what happened to me. I, last time I was there, I actually got a police escort to the church. Not intended. Uh, uh, it was the first time I've ever actually met the North Wales police. And uh, he assured me that he's much more friendly than the Texas police officers because he didn't have a gun. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you a bit of context. I was on uh, the, the A55, if you're not familiar with what that is, and make a long story short because I do want to preach, but this does have a point. I was on the A55, and uh, a North Wales motorcycle policeman passed me, and I thought, wow, that's a sight for sore eyes. Never seen one of them. <laughs> Literally, probably one of the first times I've ever seen a policeman on the A55, which is basically a motorway. He passes me, and then I see him stopped on the side of the road. I thought, there's something wrong with him, because he was pushing buttons on his motorcycle. And I thought, this definitely has something wrong with his bike. Well, sure enough, later, I see him again. I passed him. I'm like, whoa, he's fast. He came back. I passed him. He came back past me, and then got behind me. And I thought, what's he doing back there? He's taking a long time. Well, all will be revealed in just a minute. Well, he, he passed me, came in front of me, and I saw this little blue light blinking. And this blue light, you see this red microphone thing here? It wasn't bigger than that. It was a blue light about the size of this red microphone foam. And it was just blinking, blink, blink. No siren, no like, you're in big trouble. It was just like a little blink. And then I was like, well, that's nice. I was like, it's time for me to get off the motorway now. It's time to go to Libanus. And so I put my indicator on. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving now. And uh, I was exiting the motorway. Well, he was too. He was, and he was right in front of me with this little blinky light on. And he was, in, he was, and I, he pointed. And I thought, oh, that's nice of him. I did see your indicator, but thanks for just making sure that I saw your turning. Because I read the highway code, and the highway code says motorcycles and bicyclists, they point that way if they're going to turn that way, and that way if they're turning that way. I'm like, I've got it, okay? I read the book, I'm good. And so he pointed that way, and I, 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 was, I was following and he was happy, and then he did it again, and he pointed that way. And I said, okay, uh, I'm going this way. I put my indicator on that way, and I, I just went right on down to the church. I was like, phew, that was a close one. I thought I was going to get pulled over. 
Um, well, I was looking, oh, yeah, I was driving down this little country road in this village, and I was looking for this church. And then I see this in my rearview mirror. He has a helmet on. He goes, whoosh, puts up his visor, and I see these eyes that look like, Rah. and he goes, yeah, I didn't hear him, but it was like I could hear him. He goes, you, like that, pointing through the roof mirror. And I was like, me? <laughs> you, over. And I was like, okay. And then he throws on all the sirens, and woo, woo. And I was like, why didn't you do that earlier? <laughs> he pulls me over. He walks up to the door, and he says, did you not see my little blue light? I did see that blue light, but I honestly didn't know what it meant. He said, didn't you read your highway code? I'm like, yes, I did, and all these things. Anyway, long story. I finally explained to him, and he, and, and, uh, he, and he said, um, you know, uh, I could arrest you for this. I said, oh. And I said, well, you see, I'm from the States. And before I could finish my next sentence, that's when he said, well, they wouldn't be as nice to you there as I am right now. And I'm like, you're very nice, sir, very nice. Please don't use your handcuffs. And uh, um, he actually was going to open the door, which tells me, I think he was trying to do a reenactment of cops where they pull you out and put you on the bonnet of the car. I think he was going to do that, but he didn't because uh, I, I showed him how nice I was, used a bit of my Texas charm on him. But uh, um, anyway, long story short, at the end of that, I got a nice piece of paper. He signed it, I signed it, and uh, um, we exchanged details. And uh, hopefully I'm not getting some bill in the mail, a, a citation of some kind, saying that, you know what the crime I committed was? It wasn't speeding. I had a brake light that was out, and I'd gone through a tunnel, and he had seen my brake light was out. And he asked me, did you check your brake lights every morning? I said, no, sir, I don't. <laughs> so apparently I, I need to get some of those mirrors and uh, check every morning. But um, yes, I did that, and I have repented of my ways, mended my ways. I've got that brake light fixed. You'd be happy to know. Traveled all the way from North Wales, 100% legitimate, legal, MOT, everything. And I do have a UK license. And so uh, be assured of that. Nothing, uh, no reason that you shouldn't be able to take me on as a missionary. No outstanding fines or warrants for my arrest. But uh, that day, I definitely was feeling defeated. And I was thinking, God, I've never even seen a North Wales policeman. And now I know one by name. And uh, I said, why? I'm just trying to serve you. I'm not even a bad guy. I'm a good guy. And uh, I just felt like giving up a bit. And sometimes like that, I think us Christians feel like giving up. I think we feel like uh, that it's just not worth it sometimes. I think we feel that way when it comes to sin and when it comes to this world, because we think that, can we even make a, a difference in this world? But I think that's absolutely a lie that we can't, that we can't overcome sin, that we can't make a difference, because God tells us that we can I want to share with you uh, another little illustration. This might be more for uh, those that are like 15, 18 and under. I don't know. But I don't know if you're familiar of the book series and the movie series, The Hunger Games. But there's a character in that series that I think really depicts Satan quite nicely. Well, nicely is probably not a nice word, not a good word for it. But he depicts Satan very well, I think. And it's this guy, President Snow. How many of you know Hunger Games? How many of you have seen the films with this guy in it, Right? Okay, he's not a nice man, is he? But he's all frill, he's all nice looking, and he has roses, and he acts like he's nice, but he kills people. He's not nice at all. And if you, I won't tell you the whole thing because I've got to finish it sometime. But the bottom line is, is he's in control. And Katniss, the girl on fire, right? 
she's starting to get people's attention. and He doesn't like it. And he says, put out that spark, because she's known as a girl on fire. He says, put out that spark. He's talking to the game director, Seneca. He says, get rid of her. And he's like, get rid of her. What do you mean? He's like, get rid of her. Do you know what I mean? And you see, that's exactly, every time that we have a little bit of hope, like say this missions conference, you're like, yeah, we can do something. Let's help some people out. And then sure enough, you're probably going to have a day coming up before next week where you're like getting pulled over by Birmingham police. I don't know what they're called here. But, uh, or something like that. And, and, and Satan's giving you a little number saying, you know what, you, you think that spark's going to catch flame? Let me, let me see what I can do about that. And Satan doesn't want us to have hope. And when I saw that film, you know, I think that's exactly what we're like, okay? Young people, you might get this. You're kind of like that District 12, right? And you think, should I rise up against the Capitol? Should I make a difference in this world? You're like, ah, but that might be really hard. Nobody's going to like me. But you know what? Satan's really bad, and somebody needs to show him what it's like to stand up. So I'm going to be the girl on fire and stand up. You know what? And I thought, that's exactly what it's like in our world today. People need to say, you know what? We kind of feel like we're losing as Christians. And it kind of feels like Satan's got everybody in his back pocket. But we need to stand up and say, you know what? You don't. You're the guy. God's the one that's in charge. Right. I won't tell you how the movie ends. But moving on. So I want to talk to you a bit about revival. And and this begs the question, what is revival? Um. I think a lot of times when you hear revival, especially when I hear it back in, in the United States, in the Bible Belt, I don't know if it's the same here, maybe, but I would often think revival means going to church a lot more, okay? Reading my Bible a lot more, giving a lot more, and serving a lot more, which is not totally wrong, but I would think that's where you start. Like, how do you, if, I, if, if somebody asked me the question as a kid, okay, Corey, how do you do a revival? I would say, well, you got to work a lot harder. you got to try a lot harder. It's up to you to be a good Christian. That's revival, being a better Christian. But I think, that's, I think that's actually the wrong answer. I think that those are good things, but not the answer. And That is because I want to show you what is revival. Now, the word revive means to come back to life. Like if somebody, uh, uh, hopefully you never have this happen, but if somebody's heart stops beating and they're dead, right, and you do CPR on them, give them the kiss of life, you know, and they come back, they're revived. They came back to life, right? Some of you, uh, uh, you're going to need a little bit of revival on Monday when you're like, I've been staying up to 4 a.m. every morning. And I was like, ding, the alarm rings. And it's time to go to school. And you're like, huh. And when your mom goes, oh, that's your revival right there. You just came back to life. Okay? It's coming back to life. Right? And so, it, now let me ask you this question. Who gives us life? Who can tell me what John 14, 6 says? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well done. Who said that? Jesus. So who's the life then? Jesus. So we come back to life, which is Jesus. So coming back to Jesus is coming back to life. It's not coming back to ourself, like, okay, this revival number one, there's revival number two, here's revival number three. No, revival is coming back to him, coming back to Jesus. And then that changes all of that from the inside out. 
Now, is revival, and one more question before we get into our points, and my points are pretty short, so if you're thinking, my goodness, this guy's long-winded. A little bit, that's why I put my timer there. Okay, halfway done. Um, I'm going to get to my points, but one more question, because I think if you're anything like me, you start to hear a message kind of like this, and you think, well, that ain't possible because of this. That ain't possible because of this. And I like to try to just get rid of all the excuses for first. And so one more excuse to get out of the way, one more distraction, and that is, well, have you seen how bad things are? Well, did you watch the video? Okay, I'm, I'm aware of how bad things are. As a matter of fact, the, the signs there, I love marijuana and welcome stoners, that was actually about from here to that car where I used to live. Um, I, I'm very well aware of how bad things are. Um, and, and yes, it breaks my heart. It's, and there, I say there's two reasons why I'm here. It's not just because I believe that things, there's a need, but absolutely this is God's calling on my life. But yes, things are bad, but does that mean just give up? Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard this, and, and I'm not trying to pick on the people that say this. Maybe you say this. I'm, I'm still friends with you if you say this. But some people say, well, bless God, let's just wait till Jesus comes back. And, and, you know, that's true. Let's wait till he comes back. But are we just waiting and having nice food while we're waiting? And saying, there ain't nothing we can do. Them young people ain't reachable. We'll wait till Jesus comes back. And, you know, that kind of it makes me a little upset. Because I think Jesus doesn't want us just to throw in the towel and say, any minute now, come on, things are bad. I think what he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, he talks about the day of the Lord. He talks about the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That tells us that God's desire is salvation, not throwing in the towel. God's desire is victory. That's what he wants. He wants victory. He's not, and he hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten. And this tells us, this summarizes it. Read the passage of Scripture. Here's your homework. Romans 7, before, the, before verse 24 and 25. And then also read a little bit of 2 Peter, before verse uh, 15 in chapter 3. But this is the key verse. It says, and account. That means consider. Figure this out, he's saying. Account that the long-suffering, while we're waiting for Jesus to come back, the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Salvation. He says, hey, this ain't, well, I give up. This isn't white flag. This is marching flag. This isn't let's give up. This is let's go into battle. There's still time. He ain't back yet. Come on, let's get some more in. Because the truth is, is he is coming back. And one day it's going to be judgment day. There ain't no more chances. And so let's account the long-suffering of the Lord not as, well, I just hope God comes back. You know, it's bad out there. No, 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 no. Account the long-suffering of the Lord as salvation. Right. Now, let's get down to business. The truth is, in the end, Jesus wins. Right now, Jesus wants to have victory in your life, and he wants to be victorious in this town. I believe that with all my heart. Why would Jesus say, do something? If you just thought you're going to lose at it. I mean, would you tell your kids, uh, um, I want you, uh, uh, would you tell your five-year-old, go drive the car down the street? If you knew absolutely they couldn't do it. I mean, what kind of a God do we serve? 
one that wants us to win, right? One that, that, that equips us, right? Scripture comes to mind, he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, isn't it? Right, now, how do we win? Here's the meat, right? Here's the main points. Number one, turn to Jesus. Number one, I've already kind of covered this, but what is revival? It's going to the person that gives life. It's going back to life, coming back to life. And so who is life for a Christian? Jesus Christ. We saw this morning the film The Peace Child, talking about the peace child is the key ingredient to peace. Well, he's the key ingredient to everything. He's the key ingredient to revival. He is life. So turn back to Jesus. Now let's look at the scriptures here, because remember how I told you about the body of this death, that, that phrase. I want to dig into that a little bit more, right? And he says, basically, these things are really bad. We're losing. Oh, wretched man that I am. How can we win? And he says, I remember. I thank God through Christ Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Turn to Jesus. Now, before you can turn to Jesus, there's two steps you got. Number one, see the death. And he says in that passage, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Now, some of you are going like this. It's because it's a bit gross looking. That is a dead, fossilized kind of bone body. Sorry, I've got to cover it in children's eyes. But uh, um, and the reason why I put that up there is to help illustrate what possibly he was meaning. Now, I've read several commentators on this, and they said that ancient tyrant kings, one of the forms of torture that they would do is when they were really mad at somebody, they would chain a live person to a dead person. So chain you as a prisoner to somebody that was dead. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? Chained back to back to a dead body for an indefinite period of time? You'd be saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Makes sense, doesn't it? Saying, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And you know what? Paul's talking about the body of this death. He's not talking about some other body. He's talking about himself. He's saying, who's going to help me with the body of this death? Because we have to live with ourselves, don't we? All of our mistakes. And he says, all those things I want to do that's right, like I want to be a good boy, I want to be a good girl, I want to be a good father, I want to be a good dad, I want to be a good mom, etc., etc., etc. He says, but I keep messing up. Who's going to help me out? Who's going to deliver me from this mess? He sees the death. And then he's desperate. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, right? How can you turn to somebody if you, don't, if you don't really need their help? You know, I use this illustration when I'm talking about salvation sometimes. If you're drowning in water, do you say, um, hello over there, uh, could you throw us that uh, life ring, please, whenever you get a chance? Thanks. <laughs> Just toss it over here. Uh, sorry, were you having a, having, a cup, having a brew? Sorry. It's all right. I can hold my breath for three minutes. Four, three. I forget. It's all right. Drowning, help, salt water in the brain. But no, when you're in the water, you're desperate. You're saying, hey, throw me something. I'm dying over here. You're showing your need. And that's the same thing as Christians. We need to see our absolute need, right? Turn to Jesus. Now, moving on swiftly. Be obsessed with Jesus. Now, you might think, be obsessed. Whew. Um, yeah, that word does have a bit of a negative connotation. It does have a bit of a negative ring to it. But I think that you'll see that this is absolutely what we need. What do I mean by be obsessed with Jesus? Well, <clears throat> let me remind myself from my notes. 
I know what the next slide says, but there's a couple words on here that I want to make sure I get in. Let's go to let's go to the scripture. I believe that's what's next. Now, first, an illustration. Have you ever seen somebody that's obsessed with something, like say an iPad or a digital device, like they can't go anywhere without it? It's like attached to them, and they actually come complete with a, a with a charging cable. Like everywhere they go, it's like docking. Beep. What are you doing? I, I'm I'm charging up. I only got four percent battery. You always only have four percent battery. I know. What are you checking out? How I can boost my battery power? You know, these people are, you know, they're a bit obsessed, right? And, and you ask them, what do they want to talk about? Oh, have you ever seen this latest app? Have you seen this new, this new thingamajig? It's awesome. And it's not just, it's not just technics, technic, uh, technology. I mean, that can be with anything, right? Music, whatever. And that, that idea of so excited, so just completely all about we need to be completely all about Jesus. He needs to be what we're obsessed with. You know, Jesus, if your iPad means, if, if your heart would break more if somebody said, give me that iPad, and blew it up more than if they said, you can't be a Christian anymore, then maybe something's not right in your life. What's more important, getting to be a Christian, because Jesus means everything to you, or fill in the blank? Use an iPad as an example. Now, let's look at the scripture here. What does it say? Romans was our key text. And Romans 7, 8, and 10 was the, was the passages I, I was reading when I wrote this sermon. And I really like what he says here. He says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He's talking about, uh, in verse 1, he says, no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about what we need to have. Because he talked about victory, right? Where he says, I feel like a loser. Who can help me? Jesus. And then he's going on. He says, thank God there's no more condemnation. Whew. I don't have to worry about uh, what God thinks or other people think because I'm saved. But he says, right, now what do I do? He says, for to be carnally minded is death. And that means if, you're my, if all you think about is the things of this life, that's, that is what your obsession is, this world. Now, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I have an iPad. So, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're of the devil or anything. But if my whole life is wrapped up in this, what's that, like a foot by 10 inches or something, then that is not good for me as a Christian. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, and that means basically to be obsessed with thinking about Jesus, to put your mind on the things of the Spirit, is life. And remember, what was life again? Life is revival, isn't it? So, we want revival, we want to win, we want to overcome sin. Let's do a little bit of recapping here. Turn to Jesus. That's the answer. How? See the need, right? See the need. Be desperate. And then we need to be obsessed with Jesus. Here's another little example with you. You might be saying, I, you know, I want Jesus, but how? How? How can he become my obsession? Well, I would say try him out. Are you trying Jesus? Have you given him a try? Have you tried spending time with him? We say, right, this morning, 10 minutes, Jesus time, full stop. Nothing else, Jesus. See how many things try to take you away from that, right? A nice little experiment. I think that 
that Jesus is the very thing that we need. I have a greater than symbol here of oxygen versus coffee. And, and that is because I think when I say obsession, and you might be thinking like a, a drug or some kind of addiction, and slightly I do mean something like that. Jesus is something we need to be addicted to, obsessed with, because he gives us life. But not in a negative sense, not like, oh, it's my little fix, my Jesus fix, because I just use Jesus whenever I want to. No, no, no. Jesus is more like oxygen. Like, how long can you live without oxygen, right? If you're under the water and you're like, I think I want to try out some oxygen today, it might be a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> you might, right? You come up and you try some oxygen. No, I'm done with that for now. I don't need it anymore. No. Jesus isn't a cup of coffee that you can just be obsessed with on your break time. He's our oxygen. Be spiritually minded is life, right? Now, uh, I'll share with this. Why do I have this up here? Maybe you're familiar with the woman at the well. This transitions into our last point. The woman at the well, she says, give me that water. And Jesus was talking about himself being the living water. And what's amazing about what happens with that woman is that she was so excited with Jesus. You could even say obsessed, right? She turned to Jesus. She was obsessed with him. And then what do you see her doing? In the town, she says, hey, this guy here knows everything about me. Come check him out. She's overflowing with Jesus. Nobody had to tell her, right, work hard and tell people about Jesus. That's the key. No, it happened. It happened from the inside out, not from the outside in. She turned to Jesus. She was obsessed with him. You could say she was even like addicted to Jesus. And now she's overflowing. She has so much Jesus up inside of her, she can't help but spill it out on other people. So how do we win? Turn to Jesus, be obsessed with him, and like I'm talking about, overflow. Going back to our key text, which is in Romans, let me finish with this last point. And this, I think, is what fits, kind of ties it all together with a nice bow on the top for your missions conference here. I think absolutely the first couple points that I've mentioned about turning to Jesus, being obsessed with Jesus. Everybody needs that, no matter a mission conference or not. But specifically when it comes to missions conference, this part of overflowing Jesus, that's what missions is. It's saying that Jesus ain't just for these four walls. It's for these flags. It's for those houses. It's for everywhere. When Jesus isn't my, my coffee cup. He's everybody. Everybody gets to have some Jesus. Let's share them. And so, how do we overflow Jesus? Now, this passage of Scripture here, very familiar, very missions-themed Scripture, says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? You know, my challenge to you is, you know, all the other missionaries that have been here, all the people that you know out there, how are they, how is the preacher going to get to where he's going unless he's sent? How, 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 will, how can I reach the young people of the UK unless somebody says, I'll, I'll hold the rope for you so you can go down there and reach those people and help them out? How are the people going to go to these different countries unless somebody says, I'll, I'll stay here and help you out. You go down into the pit, help those people, and I'll help you back up. How, how are people going to make a difference? It's all right. It's just Lydia. Well, I say it's just Lydia. I know that that cry means that she's just upset, not really hurt. <laughs> and so, um, how shall they preach except they be sent? Right. 
you think preaching, that's your job. That's Brother Curtis's job. But, you know, if you look deeply at this word preach, it doesn't just mean open up a Bible behind a pulpit. Yes, definitely that. But it simply means telling people about Jesus. It means overflowing him. And how can you do that unless somebody gets behind you and sins? You know, you need the encouragement of this church for you to go out there. You need to be encouragement to others so they can go out there. You need encouragement to stay in here. How can they, be, how can they go unless they're sent? Right? How can we overflow unless we turn to Jesus, we're obsessed with him, and then now we're overflowing Jesus, preaching Jesus. We have somebody that's sending us. Right? You might have a problem talking about Jesus. I know that I do sometimes. I feel a little bit... Right, that's not my gifting. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. But you know, what I would encourage you, like I try to encourage myself, is if you don't want to talk about Jesus, which can be a bit intimidating, then the best thing to do is to talk to Jesus. Because when you talk to him and you see, right, Jesus, you are my life. You are what I'm obsessed with. And you get that life inside of you, you can't help but like, right, I just want to share this with you. I don't, I'm not trying to, like, offend you. I mean, you might be offended, but I just want to share with you what is so amazing in my life. So if you, it should be less like doing push-ups, like, drop down, give me 50. <laughs> you know? uh, go knock 50 doors for Jesus right now. Hey, knocking doors is great. I know you guys do that. Keep it up. But it shouldn't just be like, hey, you've got to do this. It should be, I get to do this. I want to, I want to give you a present. Because he's loved me so much, I can't help. I can't help it. I can't help myself. Right. So how do we win? Turn to Jesus, be obsessed with Jesus, overflow with him. Don't believe the lie that you can't win. Don't believe that lie that we can't win. If it's a sin, if it's this country, if it's a city, if it's your family, there's hope. There's victory. Count the long-suffering of the Lord as salvation, 2 Peter 3.15. Let's, do it. Let's make a difference. I want to leave you with this as the prayer slash challenge. Something that I think, no matter where you're at in your life, this can be what you turn to. You say, here I am, Jesus, right? I turn to you. I want you. May I overflow with you, and may we share in your victory. Because ultimately, it's, it's him that's victorious, isn't it? He's the king. He's the victor. And we just get a share in his victory. So here I am, Jesus. I turn to you. I want you because you're that good. I'm obsessed with you. I want you. And maybe if you're not feeling it, you you could say something like this. I know that I need you, and part of me wants you. Help me. May I overflow with you, and may I share in your victory. Right. That's the end of the sermon. I want to share one quick thing. I see the time. I've gone about 35 minutes. Forgive me for going five minutes over. I want to share two minutes, if I could, please. And this is especially for, for young people, for children. When I want to tell you about how I became a Christian. And I just want you to know that it doesn't matter what age that you are, you can turn to Jesus at any age. You might say, well, all right, this is just for the kids, so I'm going to tune out. No, no, if, if you're older, listen to this too. Just quickly, my testimony was when I was five years old. I promise you, five. I can remember. 
I'm not saying that everybody, five-year-old, is the age of accountability or whatever. You might be 15 before you really start seeing your need. But when I was five, somebody was behind a pulpit, and I realized, I, I'm not going to heaven. Something's not right. And I, I knew, I thought, well, I, the only way to get it fixed, they had altar calls at our church. I thought I had to go down and become a Christian. Well, I kind of had that wrong. I mean, you could become a Christian anywhere. I was so sad when I was five, I missed the altar call because I had to go to the toilet. And I couldn't hold it, so I had to go. I came back, I missed it. And I was brokenhearted. And my dad was a, a, an assistant pastor. And, I said, and he finally got it out of me. What's wrong with you? And I said, well, I wanted, to, I wanted to get saved. I wanted to be a Christian, but I've missed it. He said, no, you haven't. He took me to his office, and I can remember it like it was today. He took me to his office, and right there he showed me said, Corey, here it is. Jesus loves us so much. He died for us. He died for our sins. We've all sinned. But you can take that free gift and place your trust in him. And right that day, I did that. And God's totally changed my world since then. And that's something, if you've never done that, you can do that today. Maybe you've done that, but you're just feeling a million miles away from him. Turn back to Jesus. Right. Thank you. I would like to uh, uh, do typically what's uh, called uh, the invitation. And so um, I don't, do you usually stand or do you stay seated? Just stay where you're at. Just stay comfortable, okay? And all I want you to do is just for the sake uh, of privacy for a second, if nobody could look around, just close your eyes for a second. Nobody's going to come up and poke you on the shoulder or anything. Um, Just close your eyes for two seconds. I just want to ask you a question why nobody's looking, just me. Because I would like to pray for you. This prayer doesn't make you a Christian. I'm just asking God to help you make the right decision, okay? But I want to pray that God will help you make the right decision. But maybe you've heard this whole message and you're thinking, I'm not a Christian and I need to become one. If that's you, you're not sure you're a Christian, just me's looking. Anybody want to raise their hand and show me? So I can pray and say, God, help them make the right decision. I see, I do see one, okay. You can put it down after I say it. Thank you, I see two. And three, okay. Right. Now, I'm going to pray for you, but that doesn't make you a Christian, right? The best thing to do if you raised your hand is during this lovely song that we're going to have to come talk to somebody. You can talk to them right now and find out right now today how to become a Christian. Wouldn't that be amazing? So let me pray for you. Before I pray for you, is there anybody else that says, you know, I know I'm a Christian. I got that. Fi- I'm 100% sure but I'm just feeling a little bit defeated in other areas of my life. I need to turn to Jesus. Anybody that's like that, nobody's looking and just says, there's some areas where I just need to turn to Jesus. I think that applies to everybody. Right, amen. Whatever it is, turn to Jesus. If it's for salvation, if it's just turning back to him for life, may do that this morning. Young people, anybody that raised their hand saying, I want to become a Christian, I'm not one, I challenge you. As soon as I say amen, there'll be somebody down here that'd love to talk to you. You can talk to him, right? Okay. I know it's a bit scary, but you can do it. God, I thank you so much for your love. Thank you that we can win. Lord, I'm sorry I got a little bit long. I get a little bit caught up in in talking about you, Lord. I pray that that wasn't distracting. I pray, Lord, that we can just remember now how awesome you are, God. We're caught up in you and we'll turn to you. Whatever that need may be, may we do it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.